Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Who is the youngest goalkeeper to win the Premier League? Number one podcast. Hello and welcome to the number one podcast, your favourite nerdy goalkeeping football podcast. I'm Lloyd Griffith and with me, although not with me today, is my co-host, the man and myth, it is David Priest. Hello mate, well I am actually in my kitchen, that's where I am. You're in your kitchen in Lincolnshire. I am, yeah. Where about you? I'm in a hotel room um, that I'm not, I'm not allowed to say where I am. It's, I'm working on a project that is, um, I mean, it feels amazing because I've, I've had to sign so many uh, like confidentiality agreements for, but I've literally just been in hiding for two weeks. Um, so you, you're I'll, not working for the Russians, are you? No. Why would you say that? <laughs> not at all. Um, so I'm, I'm away. So apologies if um, you missed missed us last week um, we'll be back properly in a proper studio um, as opposed to a kitchen and a hotel room um, and thanks to Tayo for we're doing it with a, a thing called IPDTL I mean I'm letting you in behind the curtain here um, I typed your number into this website and it's recording it for us so apologies if the sound quality is a little bit shitter than normal um, but we will be we will be back to normal David what have you been up to pal um, this weekend, I was at St. James's Park to see Newcastle against Arsenal, uh, see them beat Arsenal. For a maximum, I'm a bit of a lucky charm for, for Newcastle at the minute. I've seen them four times this season, and they've won three and drew one, including two wins against Man United and Arsenal. So that's uh, I'm more of a lucky charm for Newcastle than for Sunderland, anyway, I know that. Well, what we'll do is we'll dive straight into Between the Sticks, uh, where we look at the weekend's games. Newcastle versus Arsenal. You had a lot of tweets off the back of it. As soon as, uh, soon as Arsenal's first and second goals went in, you were straight on your little Twitter account um, analysing the goals. Do you want to talk us through it? Yeah, I mean, it's a little difficult sometimes when you... It's um, part. It's a great view because you're just behind the, the dugouts, but... The sort of the replay facilities that you have in most of Premier League clubs, it's it's not great actually. So you don't get a good chance to to analyse right. the goal. So initially, and and I like to go off my first thought sometimes. It's just I just thought it was a great finish by Ayosi uh, Perez. Um, it was a great ball fizz across by um, by Yedlin from the right hand side. And from where I mean I couldn't see it at the time, but I haven't seen it back. 
he fi- almost finishes it from the corner of the the front corner of the six yard box. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people because it goes in near post. You know, everyone goes on about um, and ask questions of check and quite a few people saying it's an error by him, but it's a one hell of a finish. It just flashes past me post. And I know you should say you, you, you shouldn't be surprised by anything. You should be ready for everything, but the, the pace of the shot and, and him getting that shot in from where he has it, I think it's just taken check by surprise. And uh, you, in situations like this, I think you've got to credit the striker rather criticise the goalkeeper. So it was one hell of a, uh, one hell of a strike. Well, this is the thing, because you put on Twitter, I think a lot of people are, are quick to judge Czech's decision on, as opposed to the the quality of, of the strike. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, I've, I've made a rod for me on back, really, because as soon as a goal goes in, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of people questioning uh, question whichever keeper it is. But um, I, I think there's, you know, there's been... Um, there's quite a few question marks over over Petr I mean, I still like, I still think he's a, a solid goalkeeper, and perhaps like, the question marks that have come over him is because I think we've talked about before about he's went from Chelsea side who defended the box very well, defended deep, going into an Arsenal team that doesn't defend well at all, and uh, and it, it, the same happened again Saturday. They, they didn't <laughs> defend well at all again. No, but if you like looking at the goal, you know the defender who's I can't remember who it was. It was on on him. You kind of expected Mustafi. Him, yeah, Mustafi. You kind of expected him just to be on him a little bit closer. It was almost like Czech wasn't. Not that he, obviously you have to expect everything. You know we've discussed this. You have to expect everything that comes at you. But it was a little bit of a, a, a sloppy defending situation. I thought, um, and I don't think. Yeah, any, but... I think that you know it's that question you have to ask yourself as well. Going if that was De Gea, if that was Courtois, if that was Edison, would they have saved it? And do you think they would have done? Probably. I mean, the likes of sort of someone like Courtois, who normally has a low hand position, I think it probably would have flashed over his shoulder as well. Perhaps the game might have his hand speed to get there. But even with Mustafi, you know, there's question marks on Mustafi. And yes, he could have been tighter. He could have gotten across um, to try and get a challenge in, but. At the same time, I, I can see why, you know, the, when the ball's fizz across, whereas Perez is, you can almost see it and go on, finish from there. Yeah. And, and but that's the difference at this level. You know, you go but go below the Premier League, you can do little things like that. I mean, I remember when I first went to, um, you know, when I was young and, and playing at Darlington, I always remember Jimmy Montgomery, who's Sunderland legend. He was uh, he was my goalkeeping coach at Sunderland and at uh, at Darlington. And I remember him saying about sometimes in one-on-one situations, um, trying if you show sort of if somebody's coming in on from my left hand side yeah. on an angle, try and show a little bit across to your right, leave a little bit of the goal open, and more often than not players at that le- that level would drag the ball wide and so and. You know, if you get them to place the ball there and try and uh, to usher them so they do place the ball there, you yeah. should be able to get down to them. But once you get into that, uh, you know, the, the you know the top of the the league football, you've got players will just punish you if you do that. And yeah. like I said, you you can't take any chances, especially in the box. You've got to get a lot tighter. And and if Mustafi is letting them go there and staying a yard off him, saying go and finish from there, he's, he's probably been foolish to do that. So I mean, again. It, it, Bit of a sloppy defender, which leads us on to um, Newcastle's second goal, which I mean, just 
wasn't great defending. Like looking at it, no, uh, you know, from, from from where they were from that throw, which was I think just you know a few yards from the halfway line. To yeah, it's it, it pretty simple build up as well, and it it just shows you that um, you know Arsenal just. Um, it, it, I'll spit them out again. I'm getting a bit stuck for my words here. You've been drinking today. It, I, I haven't. No, actually, yeah. <laughs> I haven't. No. <laughs> I always have Monday off drinking, mate. Every other day, but not not Mondays. Yeah, good on you. Um, you have a routine. <laughs> but I mean, as a unit, they, they don't defend well. But at the same time, individually, there's one thing you get taught that before you um, before you work on defensive units and, and working together, people have got to do their own jobs individually. Yeah. And they just don't do that. And it, it, it was a bit of an easy go, but. Slimani does well for it, gets the ball down the line, crosses it across the, the front of the box. Perez, a little touch to the right, and, and Matt Ritchie is, is all by himself, just a, it's a pretty straightforward uh, finish past Czech, who's, who's left exposed again. And, and that's a, we talk about, when we talk about Czech and the criticism he has, he, he gets left exposed time and time again. And again, it, you know, it, it was three yards, three or four yards from the halfway line. It, yeah. That's that's the thing that's worrying is the fact that that has happened. You know, he's in goal going. Well, there's a there's a throw in. Seven seconds later, he's got Matt Ritchie coming down his throat. And you just think, yeah, you just have to feel sorry. Yeah, for well, that's it. It, it, it. Game management. It, it shouldn't. Uh, it shouldn't happen from there. Like you know, it's not like it's not like Newcastle have done anything brilliant to carve them up. And it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. And and sitting in the. Uh, in the press conference after the game, listen to Arsene Wenger. He's pretty sort of, I don't know, I think he knows that uh, the top four's lost now. Um, you know, they've put all eggs in the basket, the, the, the Europa League basket. So that's their, their, their only hope this season of, of salvaging anything from uh, from what's been pretty dismal year. And uh, your boy on the other end, Dubravnik, I mean, apart from the goal, pretty quiet, pretty quiet day for him, wasn't it? Yeah, and but again, you know, got these games. It's even though the, the keepers aren't busy, you can you can still take a lot from it from either watching the warm ups or just watching how they sort of how they position themselves and and how they deal with what they've got to deal with. And he, one thing I've been really impressed with Dubravka is that he's just uh, he's so calm positioning the ball. He's uh, you know when the ball comes back to his feet, he's not just happy to play it safe. He's very calm. He, he doesn't. Um, doesn't panic on the ball and he's always looking when he's being closed down he's not looking to clear the ball he's not looking to, to go wide if it's um, if he's got other options he's always looking to play that ball along the floor into the central midfielder break the first line of press and uh, of course you've got to have the options you've got to have the players in front of you who want the ball as well but being really impressed with him in, in that, that department um, Do you think he'll be at Newcastle next season? Well I believe we've got an option on him um, he's only on loan from Sparta Prague at the moment. But they have got an option on him, but uh, I hope it's watertight because he's <laughs> impressed a lot. And, and I think that, you know, if, if they weren't to take him up, which I'm sure they will, uh, there'd be a lot of Premier League clubs sniffing around him. And he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's acquitting himself really well. I think a lot of the, not just myself, a lot of the Newcastle fans have been very impressed with Let's move on to Tottenham Man City. Now, obviously, <laughs> Man City managed not to beat Man United last week. 
needed to beat Tottenham to hopefully put the title to bed this weekend. And Man City kind of early doors uh, were having a party, weren't they? Yeah, and it was they were, they were phenomenal. Sort of like the first or the first half an hour in the last twenty minutes. In between, it was more of a contest, but uh, they didn't did enough in like I said in the in the beginning, at the end of the game there to 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 win comfortably. But uh, we have to talk about Hugo, and for a long time he's people have criticised this season because of the errors he's made and errors that have, have led to to goals. I think he's his only pet check uh, in the up there stats of of errors that led to goals. I think there's only a check above him now. Really? And, yeah, and, and, and uh, I think, uh, I should look this up really, but I think it's either six <laughs> or seven this season. And it, it's, it, at first, I mean, I wasn't too worried. I, you know, I said on Twitter, you know, I, I usually get my uh, Hugo Lloris defence shield out when people start criticising him because a lot of people say that he's overrated. I mean, I don't know. People can say that Hugo Lewis has been overrated for the last uh, six, seven seasons. Even when he was at Leon, he's a brilliant goalkeeper and capable of uh, just capable of saving the impossible, really. Um, but it's, it, it has become a theme this season, and I, and I know that I, I defend him because he's a proactive keeper. He gets involved in a lot of situations. He tries to head things off before they, they become an issue. Especially when he first came to Spurs, he was, you know, he was outside his box, heading balls away, played a very sort of high starting position, and I loved that about him. Really loved it. But he, he kind of tempered that, and he's, he's, he's dropped a little deep. He plays very deep through his line now. So when he's, because he's playing deep through his line, you often find that his starting positions are a little bit deeper. And so when he's, he's making these decisions to come out, like. Uh, we saw on Saturday, he's uh, he's not getting there quick enough, and it, it was a bit of a rash decision the, when you know when he gave the the, the penalty away. Of course, there was, it was outside the box, but it's probably better that it was a penalty. If it wasn't, if it was outside the box and a free kick, he would have get been a, would have been sent off. But I think that's come from the first goal. You know when um, Vincent Cummings played the long ball to Jesus and he's come yes. through one on one and scored. I do, I don't think. Not in a month of Sundays that he, he's going to come out for that ball because it's such a great ball over the top. It's right in there, Jesus's pass, uh, pass. Right. Sorry, and it, you know he's got no chance of coming out and clearing that, so that's fine. But I think there's just an element of doubt when he's questioning himself: should I have come out for it? It could travel the long way. It's a, he's finished it well, uh, Gabriel, Jesus. And but I just think in the next situation the ball comes through, he's thinking I've got to do something about. It. He's not in a great starting position. He's too deep. And he just gets there far too late, and it's a clear, well, whatever the decision was, whether it's a free kick or a penalty, it was a clear foul. And and I think this is the one thing that um, that has crept into his game. It's not about him becoming a bad goalkeeper. I think because of some of the mistakes that he's made early on in the season, doubts have started to creep into his game. Yeah. And when when it does that, it's a you know, it's a it's a cancer to a goalkeeper because once you're in self doubt, it means those decisions are made a little bit later, and you start making rash decisions, you start losing your cool, and you start making more wrong decisions. What can you do in that situation? You know, I mean, once those things creep in, as you know, someone that's been there and done it, how do you get over that? Do you have to wait for the season to pass? Do you have to? 
hope for a, a decent few games. It's not as if it's every single game that he makes a mistake. But how do you get rid of him? No, no. But it, it, and do you know what? Uh, I said this in the past that I wouldn't be too uh, too concerned if they weren't costing points. So if he's made mistakes when they're two or three nil up, and you know it's a consolation goal for the uh, for the opposition, I wouldn't be too too worried by it. But once it starts costing your team points, and, and yeah. especially crucial, crucial, you know, or conceding goals in crucial times of games, that's when it becomes a problem. But it could be it could it could be uh, right what you see about him needing just the end of the season to come, but he won't have that. He's going also, to work with France. Well, this is the thing, and this is you know what a few people have uh, have spoken about. There was a, we got a tweet in, um, yeah, from Adrian Waroe, W A E R O E E. I mean, that is a name enough, isn't it? Adrian Waroe. Might not be his name. It's just on Twitter, isn't it? He said uh, Lloris's recent decline and whether he should be France's first choice with Ariola being the keeper he is, obviously. Alfonso Ariola is at PSG. PSG have just uh, have just won the title. Would that be creeping into his mind as well? Thinking I've not had the greatest season, um, and I want to be playing the World Cup. And there's other French goalkeepers doing their thing. Yeah, I mean Ariola's had a, he's had a decent season. Uh, he's won a few players according to credit the, you know, the Champions League exit. Uh, I've always thought these. Talk about this elsewhere. I've always thought he, he's quite got quite hard hands. He pushes a lot of uh, a lot of shots back into the danger area. Um, but I like him. He's a very dynamic goalkeeper, and he's this season he needed this season to play um, consistently and get a good run of games, uh, and he's done that. But I still can't see him being uh, t- overtaking Hugo as, as as France's number one. Uh, Hugo he made a big error against Sweden not so long ago, where he's, uh, he's you know he's passed the ball straight out of um, uh, he caught his box and passed the ball straight back to the opposition, and they've scored from the halfway line. And, and so it's not just it's it Spurs where it's been affecting him, but like I said, um, he's players aren't allowed to have um, bad seasons or, or, or bad runs run of form. You know, it's it's almost like it's unacceptable when it happens. You know, yeah. and he's held he's held such a high standard before that when he, once he slips below that and his performance becomes substandard to to ones he set before, then people are going to ask questions. And but he, he's he's at that level where he's yeah, anything but perfection is going to be questioned. But it's certainly he, I mean he he'll admit himself it hasn't been the best season for him either. But it's uh, it's. I think it's really too early for people to be questioning his, his place in the French team or even thinking about bringing in another goalkeeper at Spurs. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. We move on to Manchester United versus West Brom. Now, if West Brom beat Man United, then Manchester City take the title and that is what happened um, Man United lost 1-0 um, the, the goal West Brom's goal it was just it was a corner that just wasn't cleared and De Gea had, <laughs> there was nothing much he could do really no it was a it was a decent finish and it was even from the early on in the game he just thought something wasn't right and um, of course you know Ben Foster will, will go. Ben Foster played very well, which yeah. you know if you're a West Brom and you go to Old Trafford, you, you know you you're going to expect your goalkeeper to have to play well to to get anything out of the game. And uh, like most goalkeepers, it's um, you know at the bottom of the league, bottom of the Premier League, because you're uh, you, you, you more often than not you're busy. You, you come out with the season, you know you still be relegated and still come out with. A lot of credit personally, and I think Ben Foster's done that this season. He's uh, he's he, he's um, developed into a, a really solid all-round goalkeeper, and uh, he played really well on uh, on Sunday. And like I said, he had to and one save to his right. I think it's from Lukaku. Um, the ball comes yeah. in the box. I think it's from Matic, and just it's headed across to his right. It's a phenomenal save. But there's another save in the first half from Lukaku. Which he's through one on one, and uh, Ben Foster comes flying out at him, and he saves it with his face. Now I don't know about <laughs> you, but I I love it when a keeper saves it with his face. Uh, I, I remember uh, Shea giving he, he used to do it quite a bit when because um, if it was really uh, like a close header, there's a couple of times I've seen him, and it's he's kind of he just sort of spread himself out like a star shape, jumping out towards a striker, and the ball <laughs> just hit him square in the forehead and just went over the bar. I just love them, absolutely love them. Did you love it yourself when you saved it with your face? Oh uh, yeah, honestly, I, did, I if I if I if I save one with my face, I, I took, it's like a badge of honour, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's <laughs> it, it, 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, you can't see for about the next next two minutes, and your eyes are watering, and your nose is all over your face. But honestly, there's nothing better. Yeah, I, I tell you what, there was. Um, I mean, it's not great when you when you catch one right. Um, how, how, right in the crown jewel, should we say? Can we put it like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, penis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you want, if you want to be all uh, sort of technical, technical about it, yeah. yeah, yeah, technical, yeah, technically it is a penis. To be honest with you, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, it, but if you get one there, I mean, obviously that hurts in, incredibly. But it doesn't matter what you save it with. Yeah, it oh, matter what you save it with. Of course, it's all yeah. With. yeah. But it's good that you come. I mean, it, he, Ben Foster got the array of saves, didn't he? Like left and right, and also face. Yeah, and fierce. So, you know, like uh, strikers have like sort of the full house sort of a header, left foot, right foot. That's, yeah. that's what you need. <laughs> left hand, right hand, fierce. We've got to mention, I think, just whilst we're talking about the Man United uh, West Brom game, David De Gea has been nominated for a Player of the Year award. The PFA Awards, the shortlist came out uh, a few days back now, um, along with Mohamed Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, David Silva. David Silva, Leroy Sane and Harry Kane. There is also goalkeeper David De Gea. And then not only that, but also in the Young Players, PFA Young Player of the Year Award, um, Edison has, uh, has made uh, a, a nomination, which I think goes without saying, really, doesn't it? Yeah, both deserved, I think, as, as well as De Gea's played this season. Um, no, he's not going to win it. You would see that... Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the votes are taken early, so you, you don't know. So it's. I mean, if you think a couple of couple of months back, you probably Salo. I'd probably say Salo would be favoured, but like I said, he's probably really turned on a lot the last couple of months. So you don't yeah. know whether he'd have had enough votes or. But you'd say it would either be De Bruyne or or Salah for that one. Yeah. In, in Edison, it's 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 more than deserved again. Um, He's he's just been phenomenal this season, and anybody who tries to sort of detract away from saying, "Oh, well, he's not, he's not, um, I don't know, he's not the same level of shot stopper as um, as De Gea, or you know, if he protected really well, um, forget about all that all yeah. round, you know, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal young goalkeeper, and it's it's just going to be really interesting to see his development over the next few years and hopefully you know Pep will be there a few years and we see how this because it will develop Manchester City have they've developed already over two seasons yeah 100% they've they've, they've, had, they've had, they came up with our problems last season and they, they, they found solutions well, you, and they've uh, kind of morphed again into another side and it'll continue like that what you've got to realise is you know one of the problems that Pep you know, realised he did have last season was was with the goalkeeper. I mean, the, the, you know, they brought in two goalkeepers last season, both of which weren't kind of up to up to scratch for what he wanted. So that's why he's brought in Edison. Um, well, yeah, exactly. It, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Angus Gunn as well, because um, obviously yeah, he, he's brought Bravo in for a reason. He obviously likes Claudio, and, and you know that they've. Uh, and he wanted to fit his philosophy. It'd be interesting to see what happens next year. Like I said, it, it obviously depends on sort of Claudio whether he wants to go somewhere and be number one and play, or whether he's happy with his with his role as number two, yeah. and, and whether um, Pep sends Angus out on loan again for another season's experience, or he brings him back and and, and puts him on the bench. It'd be interesting. <laughs> 
Manchester City won the league because Man United failed to beat West Brom, um, which means that Edison um, is a Premier League winner. Um, but let's go back to the question at the start of the podcast. Who is the youngest goalkeeper to win a Premier League title? Now, obviously, this is like your first choice goalkeeper who had played the most amount of, uh, of games. And I, I went through today and I thought I had the answer. And I double-checked it with Duncan Alexander from Opta. And uh, it turns out uh, I, I was wrong. Um, but do, do you know the answer, David Priest? Who is the youngest goalkeeper? It's tight. It's really tight. Um, I, well, it's a pure guess because I, I don't like the. I like to have it play along with your little quiz as Thank well. So, um, is, is it De Gea? It is David De Gea. I mean, you say De Gea, I say De Gea. I mean, it's much of a muchness in it. He um, in Sunderland they call him David De Gea. That's what they call him. David De Gea. Like no, David. No nonsense. Not, not David De Gea. David, David. De Gea. David De Gea. Um, well, in my house, we call him what I want to. What What are they called? Thibaut Courtois up there. They, they call him Thibaut Courtois. <laughs> Courtois, the <laughs> pluralizer. We love it. Uh, David De Gea uh, became the youngest goalkeeper to win the Premier League title in 2013 when he was 22 years and 16 days. In second place, we've mentioned him quite a bit in the podcast already today, is Petr Cech, 22 years and 63 days. Um, and then in third place is your Thibaut Courtois, um, who was about uh, forty, uh, about hundred days uh, later on. And then it's Joe Hart. After that, if you really want the uh, Tim Flowers, Mark Bosnich, Peter Schmeichel, Kasper Schmeichel, Fabian Bartes, Jens Lehmann, David Seaman, and then Edwin Van der Sar, who was I think fifty-eight when he won his first um, <laughs> Premier League title. Um. We talked about the uh, a few of the saves that happened this weekend. One one of the saves that kind of kept popping up on our social medias was oh god, I hate people that say social medias. Pluralize that. I like it's the same people that say holly bobs. I mean, I can't stand them. I'm really I apologise to anyone listening that has been offended by that, and I will uh, I'll do ten press ups when we finish this. Is the uh, is the Donna rumour? You save. can't do ten press ups. I right. I know we're recording. I, Take that back. I absolutely can do. Ten straight back. I'll record it and send it to you later. A hundred percent. I'll video, I'll video, video it evidence. In me, in in me. None of them normal videos you send me. No way. Shush, shush, shush. Um, I'll record it in my quite lonely hotel room um, and then send it to you, but don't, don't send it on to me. Anyway, so Don, the Donnarumma save. Everyone was banging about that. Best save of the season so far? It's got to be up there, and I know that um, it would be easy to say that he's kind of that he's guessed. But I think yeah. if you really break it down, that when you when you make saves like this, it's down to sort of um, like I said, you, you've got all these situations logged in the back of your head. So when it comes to when, when a situation arrives, that your body reacts, and you know it's there's very little thinking time, and. You, you, it, it's just a phenomenal save simply because it's so close everything happens so quickly yeah. but as the ball comes across as soon as uh, Millick it is as the ball comes across uh, it's fizzed across the six yard box Millick comes in everything happens so quickly but as soon as that ball just fractionally before the ball meets Millick's foot you can see he starts leaning across to his left now that's just it's 
him looking uh, at Milik, he sees his body shape. He can see that he's he hasn't opened his foot out. His foot's closed. So there's only one way that if he hits it correctly, if he hits it the way that he wants to, the ball's going to go back where it came from. Yeah. So he just starts leaning that side. And um, and he's, the one thing he's got in his favour is this, this huge free and this huge reach. So if, if the ball goes that way, he's got a hell of a chance of saving it. And uh, it, it, it's fired in at him and he gets a great strong hand to his left. And like I said, it's, it's not about guessing. I mean, in some situations, you can clearly see people have guessed but if you really break this down, you can see that everything just adds up for him in the just an immediate recognition of what's about to happen. So then his body reacts accordingly and he reacts accordingly. Just a, a, a brilliant save. Absolutely brilliant save. Would you want to see him in the Premier League or are you quite happy him in Italy? Um, I'm not sure he'll stay in Italy simply because there's, there's been a lot going on with him and Mini Raiola, um, his agent. There was, you know, there was a big fallout with the fans, um, and he, he kind of turned around and said that he more or less had a, a gun held to his head to, to sign a new contract. And so there's a lot going on behind the scenes that in Milan that would tend to 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 tell you that he he won't spend the rest. Uh, well. He won't. He won't be at uh, Milan for for much longer. I'm just trying to think who would who would want to to sign him. I mean, of course, he's he's a talented goalkeeper. He's got a lot of potential. But it, and it's really uh, it's really difficult to say. I know there's a lot of talk about you know if De Gea went to to Madrid, what would um, what yeah, would United do then? Yeah. yeah, possibly. You know, because of the links that Raiola has got to to United with with Pogba. And, and obviously, Mkhitaryan when he went there, there possibly could be a link there. But it's I'm just having a little trouble finding, you know, having to think who, who yeah. one who could afford him and who who would want who would be able to take him. Whilst we're on the subject of Italian goalkeepers, I think we have to look at what happened with uh, with Buffon last week. I mean, he's an idol. He's an absolute idol. We've all watched him. You know, <laughs> he's 40 years old. Yeah, and he's. He's as good as he ever was, but last week, I mean, it was slightly tarnished, wasn't it? <sighs> yeah, I, I know what you're saying, and um, it probably hasn't hasn't acted sort of um, in the best manner. Uh, do you know what? In the, with the initial incident, when it first happens, you can totally understand everything. You can totally understand everything that's going through his head. This is the last Champions League game, or yeah. potentially his last Champions League game. People have got to understand that in the heat of the moment, he probably just he, he lost all control. I know that you can't do that, and the league players they they they're in control of their emotions. But when players are at the very top, when players are so driven like he is, I wrote a piece about this about Harry Kane uh, last week. About uh, a lot of people sort of criticised him and mocked him for uh, appealing against the. Yeah, Ericsson's goal and claim the goal because it brushed his shoulder. But that's what drives these people on. That's what makes them different from me and you. That's what's, you know, you know, in situations like that, you aren't rational. You aren't rational in sports. You know, you, you, there's plenty of situations where, you know, you, a rational person wouldn't put their face in the uh, in the line of a bolt to stop it when it's going 70 miles an hour. 
a lot of a rational person wouldn't chase after a, a ball that's going down the line and uh, it's possibly going out of play, but you chase it anyway because that one in 99 chance that you'd be able to retrieve it and something might come of it. You know, sport is irrational. I, I, I don't blame him for his reaction because we all lose our heads. We all see sort of the red mist comes down and we, we lose control. That happens. Yeah. And it's not it, It's not as if he was ridiculous. He wasn't ridiculously manhandling. And I know I'm probably going to get uh, accused of being some sort of Buffon apologist. But that I, I can totally understand his... Uh, well, I'll just sound like that, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but he's... Uh, and totally his reaction. And then after the game, you know, you, you're not calmed down, but you've got to realise that when he thinks of Champions League... In a year's time, two years' time, five years' time, he's going to think of that. Of course, yeah. it's, it's got great. It's got great consequence for for his sort of afterlife um, after football, and, yeah. and 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 he won't be thinking, "Oh, I've got to protect this kind of legacy." He's he's just drenched in disappointment and regret, and and, and, he, and even if he realizes he's wrong. If emotions are so high inside him, and he's like I said, he's such a driven person that it's difficult to to admit you're wrong. The only one thing I would say about it is that regardless of how he reacts, he cannot be held responsible for the idiots online who and uh, and in person who then go and um, spout abuse at uh, Michael Oliver and his family. He, he can't be really responsible for that. That and so that. With that said, though, after the when the dust settled, I still think he could come out and just defuse the whole situation and just admit, look, yes, I was wrong to do it. Um, I don't regret anything because that's how I felt. I can't take anything back. That's what I was feeling at the time. Now that I've had time to think about it. It's time to draw a line under it, and 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 even if you just come and just tell everyone, look, I don't anybody. Uh, if if you're abusing people, uh, sending abuse uh, to make all of his family, you're yeah. not doing it in my name. And I, and I, uh, you know, I'm is, trying to think of the phrase. What what, what what the thing is? Obviously, I adore him. It was just it was it was it was the reaction afterwards, and I get like on on field, I completely get that. It's going to be gutting for him. He's going to look back and gone right, Italy aren't going to the World Cup. I mean, that's the first thing. And, the, you know, the way his uh, Italian national career has had a demise, not demise like that, how it's finished like that. And then Champions League, what happened in the final last season? Right, I've got time to make up for it. And it didn't happen. For him to, obviously, emotions are high and he goes crazy. And I think once the dust does settle, I think he will go, look, actually... I've had time to think about it, and yeah, but to come out and basically saying the stuff he has done, um, which is insane, and also saying he was too young to officiate the game, it's like, mate, I love you, but come on, just just have a little, have a couple of days off. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, and I don't think anybody doubts it was, you know, in hindsight, it was a right decision to give the penalty. Um, yeah, and it, it and it probably was the right decision to send him off. I mean. I don't know. I, 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 do, I do feel for for Buffon simply because, like I said, it's he could have easily just shown him a yellow card and then yeah. just got on with it, and then and then he's he's got the chance of redemption again, like you know. But and there's probably far worse being said 
to referees. There's probably been a far uh, more outrageous reaction to refer- to a referee that's gone unpunished like that. It's been unfortunate that um, that's, that, that he's, he's he's faced a referee who's actually done what he should do. Yeah, and you know, all, I mean, Oliver gets everyone gets, but he's kind of going, look, he's doing his job there, even if he got it wrong. The amount of abuse and stuff that he's been getting is is uh, is is well, we don't condone it on this podcast, do we, Precy? No, we don't. We bloody well don't. We don't. Listen, as we said earlier, I think this is just going to be a relatively short and uh, quick one. We've had a few um, we've had a few tweets in. We're going to talk about Dino Toll has basically said, "Can you talk about the keepers potentially coming up to the Premier League next season from Championship, and how do you think they will do in the Premier League?" Very valid. We're going to talk about that. On a similar note, Don Lasher said, "How poor Lee Camp is." Um, I keep getting um, told that I play like Lee Camp. I'm not entirely sure who should be more offended, him or me. Um, I was about to say that. Yeah, so we'll talk about uh, various uh, little bits and bobs. Uh, we'll be back next week properly. Um, and again, I just want to say, as we always do, thank you so much for all the reviews that have been coming in. We tweeted about it earlier. We're on the main carousel of uh, of the of iTunes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's insane, isn't it? Like if you go onto it's iTunes, on the top, there's like it's like the World Service, Death in Ice Valley. Uh, then you got Big Picture, then you got the number one podcast, <laughs> and then you got Stephen Fry. We're next to Stephen Fry, David. I mean, well, I mean, and, and quite rightly so. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, they've obviously placed them both together because on the same intellectual level. Yeah, it's quite clear. Do you know what yeah, I mean? but you're right. We're we're, we're a baby, and it's. Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely over the moon. Yeah, so with pride. Thank you so much for all the lovely reviews that keep coming in. We will be giving away uh, a, a book, um, the glove story, which we have done. We're sending out those. Um, David, I'm just going to scroll down, um, and you just got to tell me when to stop, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to pick out a winner. Okay, so in your own time. Stop. Okay, we have stopped on... Big... <laughs> The name is Bagel Whore. Okay. Bagel Whore. Bagel Whore, actually, David. Bagel Whore. Oh, Bagel Whore. Yes, someone that really loves bagels. And they're the ones with the holes in, aren't they? So let's just move this on quickly. (laughs) He says, really enjoying this for a different perspective on football punditry. The hosts are great and really well informed. Thank you uh, very much. There's been some lovely... We'll we'll keep coming out. And there's going to be some more giveaways. We've had a lot of glove companies get in touch and say they want us to um, give away some of their gloves. So there will be more glove... uh, giveaways so um ah, bagel hall if you can get in touch um we'll we'll send you over a copy of glove story uh, and if you want it signed as an extra 48 pounds right we'll come back next week properly with a uh podcast where we're both in the same room um but thank you again genuinely thank you so much for listening we're over the moon aren't we david we are mate and so like all i want to say is from my kitchen to you goodbye and from my lonely hotel room, goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market